Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and today we are going to have an incredible time. Get ready for a wild ride into the world of student-run manufacturing businesses. Coming up first from the land of beer and cheese in Marshfield, Wisconsin, is the maestro of manufacturing education himself, Craig Sigelski. Craig's not just your average tech teacher. He's been guiding young minds in the world of manufacturing for 24 years. From shaping fledgling Red Robins into master machinists to spearheading the student-led Cardinal Manufacturing, Craig's vision is to transform classrooms into thriving businesses. Joining us next from the heartland of the Hoosier State in Nashville, Indiana, is none other than the eagle-eyed engineer and instructor Chris Townsend. Chris is a brains and brawn behind the high-flying eagle manufacturing at Brown County High School. Under his guidance, the student-run enterprise has spread its wings wide, launching into a state-of-the-art $2.2 million facility. Chris is blending cutting-edge technology with modern teaching methods to shape the next generation of manufacturing marvels. Today, we'll hear how these two incredible educators are not just shaping materials, but molding the future of manufacturing. Buckle up, listeners, as we explore their inspiring journeys on this episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Hold on tight, because we're about to take off. Hello, Craig. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having us. It's gonna be fun. We're real excited. It's gonna be fun. Uh, this is gonna be. This is going to be a, a wild ride. This is a first for the podcast. We've we've uh, interviewed educators. We've interviewed students from from different schools. But this is a first time that we're interviewing two educators from different areas that have such a similar model uh, of, of forming these, these uh, young minds and, and getting them the education in the manufacturing space. So I'm really excited about our conversation today. So let's start, Craig, let's start with you. Uh, first off, tell us about your student-run business that you've got there. Yeah, so I'll start out. I mean, and this is my second one I've started. I started Red Rob Machining when I first started teaching back in the uh, early 2000s. I started in 98 and I started at Red Robin up in Anago, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, built it up, run it for six years and made the move to be closer to family over in Oliva Strum School District in western Wisconsin. And a couple of years later, started Cardinal Manufacturing. And now we've been running that business for the last uh, 18 years I've been teaching there. So uh, I really like this uh, model. And it's basically it's a we're a job shop. We're a open job shop. And we teach these kids from middle school on all up to build their technical skills, build their professionalism, build their employability skills. And senior year, they get a chance to participate and be part of the student-run business. And they they interview and apply for different roles because we have machinists and welders and uh, fabricators and woodworkers and maintenance people and we office staff, including engineering and a production manager and marketing managers and project managers and uh, the whole works. And they all work together to push out a product on time. And there's real customers, real money, real deadlines, real quality issues. And it's great because it solves so many of the challenges that education schools have today, whether it be, you know, the 
funding stream it produces, the engagement it causes, the real world communication skills that are required, the problem solving skills, and the technical skills of manufacturing. And it just seems for me, it's the perfect model to teach and to give these kids and educate them on all the opportunities that exist in the world and help them make good informed decisions on their future goals. Wow. I, every time you and I have talked and it hasn't been a whole lot of times. Uh, so don't get me wrong listeners. It's not like Craig and I go way back here. Um, I'm just sh absolutely shocked that this kind of model exists because this is so cool. Um, we'll dive a little bit more into the details of what you just went through, C Craig, in a moment. Chris, tell us about your program there in, in Indiana. Well, I don't know about following all that up that Craig just went through. Hey, but, uh, and you told Craig to go first. <laughs> I, and that's true. That's true. I, I got to follow it up now. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, you're going to hear a lot of the same things that Craig said uh, for me. Um, and the main reason for that is um, back in like 2016, 2017, I was a couple years into teaching. And the short version is, is we had a lot of employers who were really looking for certain things from employees they weren't getting. And those were employability skills, mostly, you know, problem solving, professional etiquette, showing up on time, all of those things that any employer wants in an employee. And we were really exploring how we could better do that within our school system, in addition to using some of the equipment that we had for our engineering program uh, that existed at the time and still does exist. Um, and we came across Craig and Cardinal Manufacturing. Um, and um, we went up there and visited once. I actually went back a second time as we were getting the program off the ground. And they were an incredible help and inspiration to us to launch our program here in Nashville. Um, wow. So in fall... Fall of 2018, we launched with 18 students. Um, I'd say the biggest difference um, just on the surface between Cardinal Manufacturing and what Craig does and what we do is we do have a graphic side of our business. So we have a machine shop. Uh, we do uh, four, actually three, four and five axis machining now um, and lathe work in addition to the graphic side of our business, which does screen printing, large format printing, personalized products, promotional products for businesses and those types of things. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference on the surface for, uh, between the two of us. But um, to mirror what he said, I mean, we have a marketing department, we have a sales department, we have you know human resources and office management, we have our managers in each of our departments, we have a logistics department that handles all of our shipping and receiving. Um, so it's, ju it's just an amazing, opportunity and environment for students to be in and able to develop those skills while they're still in high school before they get out into the real world. And it's just, um, it's the best way that I have found and that I have ever seen to, to get students to learn those skills because you can't sit a kid down in a classroom and tell them to, you know, have good work ethic and tell them to show up on time. I mean, you can, but they're not going to, you know, they're just not going to do it because you told them to. So mm -hmm. the student run business model is a great way to put them in an environment where they have to do those things and they have to um, work with their with their colleagues and other students in the program. And they have to work with customers. And like Craig said, real money, real jobs, real quality issues, real scrap, real money lost. Right. When we when we mess up a job, which does happen just like any other business. So a lot of really awesome learning opportunities for students in it. And uh, I just love it. Wow. So, Chris, we'll start with you first this time. What drew you to teaching? 
Oh man, I, to be honest with you, it, it was a teacher I had in, um, or a couple teachers to be honest with you, but there was a couple in particular that I had when I was in high school. And, you know, I was really trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do with my life. And, um, they were just absolutely phenomenal human beings. And, um, you know, they just, they kind of gave me the inspiration to kind of go that route. So I ended up going to school for education and, um, actually went into industry for a few years after I got my education degree. And then, uh, knew I was going to come back to it at some point and got a really awesome opportunity here at Brown County High School in Nashville and uh, and took advantage. Did you always know that you wanted to do manufacturing education uh, in the education in this format? Or, or was this something that because of your time in industry, you kind of got uh, lucky? I, I hate that word in, in this instance. No. But- no, I no, it absolutely wasn't. I mean, if you had talked to me, you know, in high school or even honestly in my first year of college, I mean, I had I mean, not that I didn't have an interest in manufacturing, I didn't know enough about it to sure. know any better, right? So like a um, lot I of got, the kids out there today, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh absolutely. A lot of the, you know, society in general. <laughs> um yeah. So I got a really amazing opportunity in college to run a fabrication lab, which was, you know, CNC machining, 3D printing, robotics, things like that, um, to help support the program that I was in. And through that, um, I gained a very, very high level of appreciation and a high level of passion and excitement for the industry through that opportunity. And then that, um, and then I actually went into sales, uh, when I went into industry, I was in equipment sales and tech support, things like that related to equipment. And, um, that got me even more involved in the, you know, the technical side of it. And then I, I just got real excited when I got back into teaching to kind of go that route. That's awesome. How about you, Craig? How'd you, uh, what drew you to teach? I mean, you've been doing this uh, from what I heard since the late nineties, right? How, what drew you to teaching? Yeah. I mean, I think all the way, you know, back into the early eighties in my childhood, I was always, always enjoyed the whole tinkering and the three wheelers and four wheelers and snowmobiles and go-karts and mini bikes. And my, in high school, my buddies had stock cars and just fixed repair. And I kind of got my high school job was at the local fab and machine shop. We did just what we do now. We were a job shop and we, anything that was broke, neat refab, reverse engineer, whatever. We just weld and machine and what make. And so it was always there. And I just just for sure thought that I was going to go into manufacturing and I would be in some sort of level of manufacturer. And so of course that all the high school tech ed courses and the manufacturing and automotive and all that kind of good stuff. And I don't think I didn't really make up my mind. I was going to be a machinist. I was going to look in those directions. And then late in my senior year, I'm like, well, I kind of like helping everybody else. And I kind of like helping these people. And I see as a senior there, I was helping people and I kind of like this and that. And why don't I, so I shifted gears really late my senior year and decided to go to college for uh, education. And once I made that decision, well, then I just continued um, all the way through college, supporting myself by being a machinist welder, working in job shop manufacturing and was natural. And I came out and I, I was only looking for a, a school that would employ me as their manufacturing teacher. So I I went to Anago, which offered me a position where I was one of seven tech ed teachers that I was going to be the, the manufacturing teacher. And naturally I found a underfunded, un- under-equipped, old, rundown shop and, you know, had to figure out a way to make it good. And one of the ways was need revenue and to start a business. So we started one and it went great. And, you know, then I made it over to Leva and started another business. And here I've been running that one for a while now. That's that's astronomical. So, I, I mean, you started Red Robin Machining out of need to support the program. Am I getting that right? 
Basically, because when you get to a lot of these shops, it's no different than my second go, go around here to leave a strum. You walk into these things, they're just, there's nothing. I mean, there's no, there's no equipment. I mean, everything was 1960s equipment, old garbage, and just no technology. And the kids that were in there had no skill level. Um, they didn't even know what a central was when I got there. And wow. I mean, they didn't know, you know, micrometers. They didn't know this stuff. And the shop looked just like their skill level that run down. And the culture was also in the same place. And it took time to build the facility, build the student skill and build the culture. And it took a couple of years. And in both of my cases, it took me two full years to get to a level where I could start a student run business in Anago. And then I started teaching in 98. I started the business in 2000. And then when I moved over to Strum, I kind of forgot. I thought I could just move in, but I had to go back and take the same two years to build the culture, build the, the structure, the building. And then it took two years before I could start again, cardinal manufacturing. Wow. Wow. So what, what do you think was the biggest initial challenge you faced starting Red Robin and then Cardinal? And, and was it the same initial challenge um, or, or were they unique? No, they're, they're the same. I think, um, you know, kids are great. Kids are going to go, they just have to be led and, and, and they, you know, they don't like change overnight. So it takes a little time to explain to them why we need to do things a certain way, why we need to act a certain way, because it's actually going to benefit you personally. And we're going to get the results and you're going to have a better education. You're going to be better in the future. And, and that takes time. It takes time to send that message. Cause of course we're all, uh, you know, uh, instant gratification. It's, it's much more exciting and fun to do nothing and horse around and have fun at the moment. But if we make good choices, we're going to end up with good results. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's cool. Um, Chris, you've recently had a pretty big expansion. Um, tell us the story of, of that expansion. I, I think it was 2.2 million. Um, how did the students react? Um, and, and how are you all engaging with the, the new facility? Well, it's it's an interesting tale, I, I will say. Um, the really cool thing, you know, I, the thing that jumps out about your, you know your initial question there is kind of how the kids reacted, and the the beautiful part about these types of programs is that they were the ones who really ran through a lot of it and are the reason that it happened, right? So, um, we had a donor approach our school district. Um, and my my timeline is all sorts of all over the place here, but it would have been fall. What's this twenty three now? So I think it would have been fall of twenty one, something like that. It's fall or spring, doesn't really matter that much, I guess. But um, we had a donor approach the district. Really wanted to help out. Nothing in particular. He was targeting just was in the community, member of the community, and wanted to help out. Okay. And um, our superintendent at the time had been on the job a couple weeks. So it was in the fall that uh, he had approached. So, and she was brand new to the, di to the district and um, uh, kind of reached out to all the building principals and all the admin and said, Hey, what, you know, what can we do? What are, what are our big picture things that we want to do here? And um, the short version is we, I had a floor plan that I, I mocked up and we had some meetings with our guidance department and our building principal and our superintendent. And um, uh they were on board, so we brought our donor in, and our students gave our donor a tour of the program. Um, they led the tour, they organized and planned the tour, they did all you know all the organization that led up to it. The only thing that we did, uh, myself and we have two other advisors in our program as well, um, 
only thing that we did was after that tour was over, kind of presented our, you know, overall vision uh, for what we wanted to do. And, and they were on board. Wow. So, uh, so I would say from that initial time where they got on board to us moving into the facility was a, was less than a year, actually. Total. That's amazing. Yeah. It and moved, what amazing pretty quick. The, the kids sound like they were completely bought in. They, they wanted this just as bad. They, yeah, I mean, the kids helped lay out the facility. They helped pick the equipment. I mean, when we went to IMTS last fall, um, there, each of the, you know, we had several groups of kids and they were all tasked with, you know, researching certain equipment and things that we wanted to add. And we've done that since we've, you know, started Eagle Manufacturing. Anytime we go to conferences and things like that, there's always something for the students to research and figure out new things that we can, new things we can do or new ways we can do what we're already doing to improve what we do. Um, and that's all the students, um, you know, contributing to that. That's amazing. Uh, I, I love how you guys are working, both of you, to to get that buy-in from from these young people. So, how do you guys find? I, I mean, so <laughs> I'd look at businesses in our industry, and they have a hard enough time recruiting and retaining people <laughs> that are there for a career, right? You guys are looking to put people into place for a year, maybe two, sometimes three or four, uh, I guess, uh, depending on their path through, through high school, but you've got an ever changing, uh, uh, group. So how do you, how do you recruit people to come work in, in your shops? Yeah, I can, I can explain that. I mean, we have to create our own pipeline. So what we do is we have kids coming and we have middle school classes. So in middle school is where we are starting to introduce them and explain all the opportunities within our tech ed department, explain the student run business model, explain all the benefits they would be by participating. And we start setting the stage and we start out by teaching the fundamentals of measurement and decimal and shop safety. And you start doing, you know, simpler projects and that you just build the culture and you build the expectations and you build throughout middle school and into early high school. And for our business, we run it with our seniors. So the, their job interview essentially starts and there's no way to get into cardinal manufacturing without we select them. I mean, they're ha they have to produce a resume and a cover letter and go through a formal interview wow. and a whole portfolio. So they get practice all that. And so it's completely eliminated all of our discipline problems and risen our attendance and all that good stuff because if they want to participate in that business, and we've kind of turned it into one, some people call it like the varsity shop level, just like the kid wants to play on the varsity football field on Friday nights under the lights. Yeah. If you want to do that and get the hooded sweatshirts and the tools and the travel and the financial and the scholarships and the profit sharing, and if you want to get all that, and then you have to you have to work for it. And so it's been that whole thing. So we have a pipeline and we have more kids applying for cardinal manufacturing every year than we can accept. And so you, we like, we get all our seniors in. So we take the seniors and then each year we take a, just a couple of our high achieving juniors. And the nice thing about taking a couple of juniors, it kind of fills up the program because we run 22 in our manufacturing right now at a time. Mm -hmm. and, and just in that class, even though we have over 200 participating in tech ed courses throughout the day, and then we don't have a hundred percent turnover because yeah, we have a bad business model. We have nearly a hundred percent turnover. We only get to work for an hour and a half a day. <laughs> we do it with 16 and 17 year olds that have, have no formal education. And we do it with equipment that's not quite industry standard, even though we both have good equipment. So, uh, but I think going back to what we're saying is these kids, 
some people like to run down this younger generation and say they don't have work ethic and say they don't have this and they're not professional. But I think it comes back down to what are the expectations of the teachers and the schools because they will rise to the level you expect. I mean, we we just raise the bar and we tell them all the time, you know, all we expect is you just be a little better and perfect. And we might be satisfied with that. And we have a fun time and we, you know, we keep it in a very safe place to make mistakes, but we're going to never be satisfied. We're always going to try to improve. We're going to have a really high level of expectation and we want perfection. And those kids, they will, they will give you, you know, a lot if you expect it. That's awesome. The, I've yeah, got a follow up, I, but I want to hear Chris's answer as well. Yeah, I mean, very, once again, very, very similar <laughs> to what Craig said. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we have a middle school program. We actually have a student-run business arm at our middle school. It's Eaglet Manufacturing. So we have our eighth grade students who are in Eaglet Manufacturing. They focus on the graphics side of the business. They're not doing the machining sure. um, and that type of thing, but they're doing the graphics side. Um, their own separate, you know, organization essentially, but they work directly with us, obviously, and we work with them. Um, so that's how we get them interested in the, I guess, the student-run business aspect of it. We also have engineering courses there as well. And then like Craig said, they get up to the high school. Um, we have engineering courses, we have machining, we have design, we have business courses that all lead into Eagle Manufacturing. And then they are required after they take a introductory course in that pathway to go through and do an uh, application, submit a resume, do the interview, um, and apply for specific positions within Eagle Manufacturing. And then the, the other thing that we do, I know Craig does this as well to a certain extent, is uh, summer work. So we have a full summer internship where our students um, work uh, six weeks during the summer, three in June, three in July. Okay. Uh, they, get high, they get high school credit for that in addition to getting paid an hourly rate for their time during the summer as well. Um, so, and that helps us tremendously with what Craig mentioned, this is a big issue, which is our 100% turnover every couple of years. So yeah. we have our new students come in during the summer, our current students who are returning come in, and then our seniors who have graduated at the end of the last school year, most of them work the summer after they graduate to help train all of the incoming students oh, that's um, cool. and for the positions that they get into. I like that. Um, but I, I, two things that Craig said I wanted to hone in on are... Um, expectations and relationships yeah. and culture. Um, I, I can't, I mean, I agree with every single thing that Craig said. I mean, the kids are so underestimated uh, by a lot of people, um, even sometimes within education, and they will absolutely rise to whatever expectation they you set for them. I mean, you set it one place, they get there, you raise it, they get there, you raise it again, and they keep working towards that. And they will do absolutely amazing things. I had a student who just who graduated in June, who worked in our summer internship, we got our new five axis machine uh, a couple months ago. And he had never touched one in his life. And he's machining parts. He wow. had a, a a full, you know, simultaneous five axis eagle head that he machined um, wow. from scratch on his own. And he also set up where we have a, um, a Zoller TMS system for tool management. And he built the database, he wrote all the procedures. Um, I mean, high school student now graduated to be fair and going to college, sure. but still, but still, I mean, most people in industry can't say they've done those things. Right. No, so not at all. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, those expectations is key. And then relationships is everything in education. Um, relationships far exceeds in importance, anything, you know, any content, any technical skill, anything like that. It's all relationships. And that's how we, you know, like Craig have built up our culture and built up our relationships with our students in our community to get kids interested in the program. And they want to be here. That's awesome. Uh, Craig and now Chris, you guys have both talked about culture, right? So, how do you cultivate a, a culture uh, in a student-run business? I mean, I, I, how do you do, do the values and the mission and vision of the, the organization change for every group that comes in? Or have you built those things out and you just hire the right people to come in that fit the culture of, of the organization? No, we're we're a small school, so we take everybody. So we don't we don't hire the right people. We take every kid because we only graduated thirty three kids this year, and we had the majority of them in our cardinal manufacturing <laughs> class. I mean, we're, we're running with all of them. We don't that's awesome. There's a that's the beauty of a student run business too. This isn't just an advanced placement course where you get your high flyers academically achieving and this and that. I mean, you, like any business, you need a wide variety, and there's very challenging roles, like Chris said, CNC programming, CAD CAM software, some of this stuff that we need the Val Victorians and the, the people. And, but we have roles all the way up and down the spectrum, depending on what you're interested, which goes back an important part for people to understand is this isn't just a student run business that kids just jump into their senior year. There has to be preparation in order to be a welder in cardinal manufacturing. You had to have taken two and three and maybe four years of welding classes and learn the proficiencies and learn the skill so that you are a talented welder. And the same thing with the machining, the same thing with the engineering. You don't just walk in. Our engineer has to be able to write you know, CNC programs and do CAD CAM software and 3D print and laser engrave. I mean, that's not something you just learn senior year. That's all that prerequisites. And we just have high expectations in everything we do. And the really nice thing about a student-run business is, is we have this next in 10, uh, the next in 10 commandments for career success, which is put out by one of our Wisconsin local partnership industry supporters that basically lays out um, what they're really looking for is the, you know, the appreciation of paying it forward, a good attitude, showing up on time, reliability, problem solving skills, all these professional and soft skills and employability skills they want. And anytime we have any struggles um, in the shop, it's usually one of those things, because if they're all trying their very best and all engaged and all the time, good things are going to happen. You might make a few mistakes, but that's OK. Right. Um, but we, we have the ability, which companies can, is we can shut the entire company down, bring all 22 kids back into the room, sit down calmly and have a nice conversation about why that is not working, why we can't behave in that manner, why that's not going to help us, why it's not going to personally help them, why they need to change their choices. You know, we just have that with a smile on our face and talk it through it and then try again. And that's what's nice about the student run business because it wouldn't be real if you're just trying to teach this in an educational setting because there'd be no real relevance about talking about some of this stuff because there'd be no real customers and real timelines and real money. And, and so it makes it all real. It makes it engaging. And it gives you that perfect opportunity to kind of mentor, coach, and uh, teach these kids through that model. That's amazing. Chris, what about how many students does your school graduate uh, at Brown County? Uh, we graduate between 100 and 120 a year. Okay. Typically. Um, 
we're we are still not nearly as small as as Craig, but we are a small school in Indiana. You know, my graduate, I grew up in Indiana and graduated in Northern Indiana, and my class had like four hundred, right? So, okay, sure. You know, so we have a wide variety of sizes. So we're pretty small, though. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, but you know, on the on the culture piece, I mean, it's it's like Craig mentioned. There's a lot of benefits to being a student run business in that you can shut things down and have a conversation. But on the other side of that, it's also doing the things that a lot of really well-run businesses do in the real world, you know, having the values, having the mission, um, in, you know, making sure everybody is on board with that. You know, our, our slogan is student led quality driven workforce ready. Those are our, that's our slogan. That's what we want for all of our kids. And we, we ingrain that into them. It, this is yours. This is not ours. This is not ours advisors. This is not the school's program. It's yours. We are going to put out quality period. Like we do not put out less than professional work ever. Yeah. And we are going to get you ready for the workforce. Wow. Whether that is directly out of high school or whether that's going through post-secondary education, eventually you're ending up in the workforce and we are going to put you in an environment where you're going to have to get better and develop your employability skills that Craig was mentioning earlier. So how do you how do you ensure that every student feels a, a sense of ownership and responsibility towards the business? I mean, all of our students in the positions that they're in, they are responsible for something. And like Craig said, the the beauty of the student-run business model as well is that it's it's all students. We have students across the spectrum every year. We need the CNC programmers that can run CAD/CAM. We need students who can run machines. We need students who do social media, who can do accounting, who can do sales, who can do logistics and be organized enough to manage, you know, multiple shipments going out every day to different parts of the country. Right. And so each of those positions have responsibilities and it is their sole responsibility or, you know, maybe a couple of them together, their responsibility to make sure certain things get done. And if a customer needs something by a certain date and it doesn't get there for whatever reason along the the process, that's their responsibility. So, Craig, with all those different roles and functions that you have uh, and the size of your school being what it is, do you have people that are running machines and also doing marketing? Uh, how, how do you fill the, the different roles that you have at Cardinal? Yeah, no, we have, like Chris says, we have 22 students. They all fill a different role. I mean, we have, um, I think, I don't know, on an average year, we might have seven, eight machinists, eight, nine, 10 welders, a couple woodworkers, one maintenance person, one engineer, one marketing, one finance, one project manager, one production manager. So we come, or we make our team of the same thing. We chop it up. They all have responsibilities. They all have things they, they have to handle. And my, me and my teaching partner run it and the two of us and our goal is to do nothing, but just watch it happen. Um, you know, I could not days, agree more. <laughs> some days it actually some days it actually happens. We just sit there and we just smile and we just look around and just kind of hang out and just let it go and just visit. And other, you know, a lot of days we're we're that's where we roll around and we're as the kids are working, we're throwing our two cents in and we're giving little tips and advice, or we're just right. talking around building relationships and talking about what they're doing on the weekend and just inquiring about their life or talking about future plans or talking about college or jobs or you know, just kind of going around the shop and making sure everything's running smooth. And we really like to get into, 
not just this whole the career plan, of course, and the post-secondary education, whatever that could look like, and understanding all their options, and certainly not encouraging any one form. I mean, some of these kids like this year had an amazing opportunity to kind of go under the wing of a CNC repair person. And I mean, he's learning so much every day that he made a good choice on probably not going to college. He's getting paid to basically learn. Um, but some will enter military branches, some look into apprenticeships. I mean, and then we love talking about money and financial spending, and we get really get into retirement planning. I mean, this year our goal is we haven't required it in the past, but we're really looking to bring it in and making sure every kid comes out of cardinal manufacturing with a Roth IRA started and even having cardinal manufacturing contribute the first couple hundred dollars to ensure that kid starts it and do it during class time so they have a solid retirement plan before they graduate high school. That's magical. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not rarely, I'm very rarely speechless, but I didn't, I couldn't come up with the right word there. I don't think magical <laughs> is the right one, but I think that's amazing, Craig. I mean, to, to be able to leave high school and, and not only have a grasp on professionally a direction, but also that personal side that at 18 years old, not a whole lot of kids are thinking about or know what an IRA is, right? I think that's amazing. It's it's really fun to watch them do awesome and just you know have a, a big plan. And I mean, many kids. We just had one a couple weeks ago. I mean, they they have a plan and they get their good jobs and they stay at home and they save up and they are contributing to the Roth IRAs and they know that it's not hard to make a million dollars. Not hard to make two three million dollars if you have forty years to do it. You make a plan and you know exactly. I need to put roughly this much money a month away. And when I'm fifty five years old, I won't need to work anymore. And then they they save and they stay at home and then they go into the banks and they, they try to get these house loans and the, the bankers can't hardly believe they have that kind of money. They're just like, yeah, I want to put uh, $90,000 down on my $200,000 house I'm buying. I'm 21 years old because I got $90,000 sitting in my savings. And I see that in just time and time out where those bankers, they come, they, they're pretty excited to tell me these stories, how they, they were able to put, you know, 25, 30% of the house down when they're under 25 years old. Wow. Chris, what about you? What do you, how are how are you guys touching the the lives of these students beyond the the professional development uh, towards careers in manufacturing? You know, I, I I I'm with you by the way. Like the fact that Craig is doing that at Cardinal is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I wish <laughs> greatly that I had that when I was that age. Right. Oh my God. I think, I think anybody can say that, right? Like yeah. to, to say that, I mean, I'm almost 35 years old and I still sometimes struggle with it. I feel like so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, we are, you know, we are doing a lot of different things to follow up with our students. We're trying to put them in a position where we can, we can advise them and give them advice on different options. As Craig mentioned earlier, right? Like, you know, there's not just one way to get anywhere. Um, you know, it's just like if you're picking a place to drive to on a map, like there's about 15,000 different ways that you can get to that, to where you want to be. And we're just trying to give them advice and the tools that they can use to make informed and educated decisions on what is best for them and put them in a good position uh, for when they get out into, you know, graduate high school. And what, like I said, whether that's working post-secondary, whatever that is, um, we're just trying to give them the tools to be successful. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so you guys have to have, you know, students that have made an impact. Uh, I grew up in a house full of teachers uh, so I, I know that there's certain students that made an Im 
impact on on my parents uh, growing up uh, that were different than some of the other students, right? So who, if you guys want, and if you don't want, I'll cut this out. Um, are there students that have really made an impact on your lives and, and are you still in touch with them and, and what's their story in, in the industry now? Yeah. I mean, I think there's lots and lots of stories and lots of these come up and like Chris mentioned earlier, really 90% of good teaching is just building relationships until you got that relationship with the kid and really understanding, you know, what the kid lifestyle he wants and what are real goals. And sometimes they don't understand what their goals are until you talk about it. Do you really want to, you know, be gone over the road all the time welding, or do you want to be more in, you know, here, where do you want to live? Where do you want to end up? And, and then just looking at their unique talents. And I had that, like I was telling that one kid this year, he, you know, we, most teachers would say, go on to further education, go on to college, do this and that. And, you know, I kind of knew his skill set and knew his brain and knew his creativity and knew what he liked to do. And I just saw this opportunity, this uh, guy that's, there's not really that many out there. The guy is super sharp. I mean, people that can, walk in, see a broken CNC machine, you know, the huge monstrous thing, whether it's hydraulics, air, the pneumatics, the wiring side, electronics, you know, electrical engineering stuff. And the guy comes in and is just a genius. And he had an opportunity. He needed someone to come work for him. Like you just take this kid and it's going to be perfect. And he (laughs) did. And they're just perfect. And the kid's not going to go to school and he's going to be way further ahead because he's getting paid really good money to basically be being taught by an expert. And I think it's just connecting the dots and just finding and just going on and on. The next kid may have a different opportunity. And because, the, you know, I know one, you know, was thinking about going manufacturing, but his dad owns a local plumbing company. I mean, you can take over that business. You can be a plumber's apprenticeship. You should really go that route and just kind of helping them weigh all the pros and cons of which direction they should go. And, and uh, the whole pay it forward thing. I can't even tell you how many times it's awesome. I mean, we, we get tacos every single Tuesday all summer long. Cause we of course work all summer with our students and at the local bar grill. And I mean, I try to buy tacos every week and I I think I've only been able to buy two or three times the entire summer because every single time I go in there, a community member, I mean, last week, a former student who's 19 years old, just graduated. He bought a hundred dollars worth of tacos for our class. And, you know, he's 19 years old. He shouldn't have to do that. And different vendors have bought community members have bought. So it's, it, it comes back around. If you help and do good things for kids, people recognize that and, you know, end end up benefiting myself personally. That's awesome. What about you, Chris? Any any standouts for you? Oh man, I, I yes. Um, like Craig said, I I don't even know if I could quantify. Um, you know, it, <laughs> it's 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 just so incredible to me. I mean, I have a couple or a couple like not students in particular necessarily, but stories. You know, we had um, it's actually the first year of Eagle Manufacturing. Um, we had a student who had kind of got put in the program because we were just getting going. So, you know, there wasn't the pathway and all the requirements and all that. So um, had really had no interest in manufacturing, you know, just was kind of there. Great kid, absolutely phenomenal kid, but, you know, just was there. Right. And I want to say it was uh, graduated the next year and then maybe two years later or so ended up in manufacturing, um, not that far away, actually, and had sent me a message and said, you know, like I just, you know, I wanted to reach out because all of the things that, you know, you talk to us about, you know, the, all of the employability skills, the attention to detail, you know, the real world skills absolutely translated and it has been tremendously helpful. Right. So, I mean, and that's, you know, 
that there's a lot of kids like that. And it's not, it's and the, the great thing about it is it's really not, you know, myself. And I think Craig will say this too. It's not us, right? It's, it's the environment they get put in. And a lot of it comes down to their relationships with the other students in the program and, and how those develop. But I, the, the reason I do this is the relationships with my students. And, um, and I, yeah, I, there's just so many to, I can't even begin to go into all the stories and, and accounts and, and amazing students that we've had through this program. You and t- you're only go ahead, Craig. Sorry. Uh, you know, Chris has only been doing this for how many long and it's just going to get deeper and the, the web gets bigger and the networking mm-hmm. gets bigger mm-hmm. and it just gets easy. I mean, it's like, oh, you need this. So oh, I have a former student a couple weeks ago that, <laughs> you know, he's, oh, we need a painted. Well, he's the lead foreman at a weld shop and they have a paint booth and, you know, he said, well, would you paint this because it's too big for us? And he said, sure, I'll paint it, but I'm not going to charge you, but I want you to charge the customer 500 bucks. And and then we took and delivered the part to another shop that we built this custom rack for. Of course, they were filled with our former cardinal manufacturing students at that shop. And they, of course, paid us, but then they gave us like a $700 tip on the job. So, I mean, we made over... I don't know, $1,200 in that job that we didn't even really deserve. So it just, and then they want to buy you lunch and it just goes on and on and on the relationships and the network and the intertwining. And so, and now it's stretching around the country where we can, you know, network. And so it, it, I don't know how we find a better, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Like pro- way to teach other than through this student business, because eventually the goal is like Chris said earlier, that everybody's going to be in the workforce. They're going to be employed and they're going to be employees. And so why not, the best way to do something is practice and the best way is to put them in the exact environment, make them actually have responsibilities, actually be employees, actually see it in high school, make all the mistakes in high school before they got out of school. And they're just going to be better employees in the future. And it really doesn't matter what the student run business is because there's so many of the transferable skills that are going to transfer into any, you know, it doesn't have to be manufacturing. So, I mean, I think the school should really look at a student-run business regardless of what the student-run business. Ours happened to be focused on manufacturing, but they could be. We used to have one at our school that was a catering business. Kids had to be professional, communicate, take orders, order food, cook food, serve food, clean food, invoice it all, market it. It taught a lot of the basically the same things. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll mirror that as well. I mean, um, we have, I think we're up to 11 student-run businesses in our like 10-county area. Here wow. in this this part of the state, um, and they're across the gamut. I mean, we have manufacturing businesses, we have businesses that are focused on the graphic side, like ours, um, and manufacturing. Um, we have you know coffee shops. We have uh, for, there's one school in particular, White River Valley, that they actually have. They, I if they, I believe it's still this way, but all of their seniors have to be in the student run business in some capacity. Wow. So they have like five different ones. They have a frozen feast one. They have one that's focused on construction. They have others that are focused on various things. They have a graphics side. So it's, it, it's an amazing model. And to Craig's point, it doesn't have to be manufacturing. And the beauty of it too, is that if a student comes through Craig or my program and they're, you know, an office manager and they do accounting, they may not end up in manufacturing at all, but they are going to be set up in a much better place uh, when they graduate as a result. Wow. You, you two, and I guess anybody who has these uh, student run businesses, um, maybe some of the only teachers that never get the question, when am I ever going to use this in the real world? Right. (laughs) Because I don't see any of your students asking that question because they're doing what they're going to potentially do in the real world. Right. And even if they do, we usually have a pretty good answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
they, they can't argue that. I mean, this is, you are doing something to prove, I mean, uh, in a business, there's, there's a billion businesses in this country. And as long as your business can either make a product of value or provide a service, I mean, you have, you are raising value and maybe raising revenue. And if you can raise revenue, well, then you're being successful and these kids have to make something happen. And that's all business is. So you guys have, we, we've talked a, a lot about, you know, these students going out into the workforce. Does this model, the student run business model also prepare students for, uh, you know, starting their own business, uh, build a entrepreneurial spirit, uh, because it, it sounds like it would spark a lot within young people. Oh, at first, I have multiple students over the years who are young. I mean, I have a 19-year-old starter who owns her own clothing business in a small town. I mean, it has it and sells and been successful the last couple of years. A kid that has an excavating construction business, kid that has a started his own welding business, has been in business for four or five years now. One that has his own CNC plasma cutter. I mean, some that have bought dump, semis and dump trucks and drive them. I mean, just... Yeah, just why not all manufacturing? Actually, few. One owns is you know kind of with his dad, but going to take over his own plumbing business. And so yeah, there's been a lot of uh, for a little bitty town. I can think of you know ten or twelve already that have started their own businesses. That's awesome. What about you? Yeah, Chris? yeah. I mean, um, I don't know that we have that many being you know being a little newer to this, but um, I can absolutely say that the 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 entrepreneurial spirit is absolutely a part of what we do and and the reason for that is a result of the model itself right because you know even if you're a machinist in eagle manufacturing or cardinal manufacturing you're going to get exposure to the other aspects of the business you're going to you know be in meetings and you're sure. going to hear from sales you're going to hear from marketing you're going to get all at least a little bit of exposure to all or most of the aspects of how a business is run from marketing and sales to production and design to logistics and everything in between right so it's absolutely a phenomenal environment for a student and we've recommended students who who really just want to start a business even not in manufacturing to take this program to be a part of it so that they can learn all those aspects and be that much better prepared when they graduate so are you doing you know cross instruction with business classes and and other uh, departments within your schools? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we have three, like, like I mentioned earlier, we have pathways that lead into Eagle manufacturing. So we have three specifically, we have a principal or a machining pathway. We have a design pathway, graphic design specifically, or digital design. And then we have a business pathway. So, um, I, and my other advisors teach the machining and design side of it. And then we have a business teacher who does the, uh, business intro business course. And then we actually have a new business teacher coming in this year who is going to be involved in Eagle manufacturing directly and have, um, a period a day that she will be over here helping learn what we do and then help start helping with our sales and marketing and off and accounting and those different types of things. Cause I am definitely not an expert in uh, the accounting and, and marketing specifically. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What about you, Craig? Uh, do you guys pull from different departments within the school to, to educate the, the students on the different aspects? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, mostly we handle it internally because most of our 
our people are coming from the tech ed department, which me and my teaching partner, Tyson Roshai, we run the tech ed department. So we're draw, drawing from our CAD courses, CAM courses, all the engineering, the woodworking, the welding courses, machining courses, you know, bringing them up through that way. Uh, the only ones would be like, like he mentioned, having a, we also have a business teacher who teaches multiple marketing, business, accounting type classes that we then, of course, encourage anybody interested in pursuing one of those positions within our company that they would go and take those courses, you know, early in high school to kind of ramp up their skills. Um, so yeah, that's kind of about the same, same situation. Wow. So let's, let's talk about how you guys find jobs, right? You're both job shops. Um, how do you find work? Uh, does work, do you have sales team that goes out and, and, or do you have partnerships with external manufacturing companies in the area or nationwide? How, how does that work? I can tell you about that. We try and hide from all the work we can, and we still find way too much. <laughs> we can't keep up because it is ridiculous. I mean, just word of mouth alone. I just walk into a grocery store and I walk out with three jobs. I walk into anywhere and I come out with six jobs. I I would hate to even almost go out for dinner on Friday night because I'm going to get five more jobs yep. that we can't do. So it's that is not a, there's no need no need for a sales team. No kidding. Wow. And, and is that just because of the the quality? Is that because of the the I don't want to call it the novelty of it, right? But it's because it's a cool thing that they're supporting these young minds. What What do you think is a draw? No, it's the it's the high quality work, quick turnaround, short lead times with uh, high quality for a really good price. I mean, people bring us stuff. We had a good story not too long ago. This one local well drilling guy was bought a brand new truck. You know, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, big straight truck, mount all the well drilling gear on, have to, of course, mount those stabilizing, go down, you know, stabilize the truck for drilling. Yep. Took it up to the manufacturer. They're like, well, we're going to have to cut your bumper and do this and this and this. He's like, I don't, I want this looking nice. I'm not cutting my bumper on my brand new truck. And the guy basically said we couldn't do it. He's like, oh, fine. I'll take it down to the high school shop. They'll do it. And it just turned out perfect. I mean, so we have, I think the community almost has too much confidence in us because we <laughs> they, they think we can do anything and we kind of can figure it out because the kids are smart and the kids have so much ability that if you, there's, there's evidence out there and teaching evidence that if you believe, if the teacher believes the kid can do it and you tell them he can do it, they don't know any better. They shouldn't be able to do some of this. Like Chris saying, I mean, really a high school kid shouldn't be able to run a five axis machine, but if you nope. can, they can, <laughs> right. And if a couple, and if a couple people tell them they can, then they believe. And if they believe, I mean, there's evidence you can do two to four times more if people believe in you. Yep. Wow. Oh, uh, I cannot agree more with that. Um, I do want to add a little bit to the finding work. We're not we're not that blessed as as Craig has, but uh, they've uh, they've done just such an amazing job there in their community, especially, which is why he gets accosted at the grocery <laughs> store. I'm sure on a regular basis. But uh, um, we, we, we do very well uh, on, on the graphics side of our business as far as keeping, you know, a high, high quantity of work. We are, we, like Craig said, we, we have a very hard time keeping up over there sometimes. Um, on the manufacturing side, we have been kind of in limbo here for the past year, two years almost at this point. And we, we were doing um, some work for some companies, some overflow work and things like that. Um, and then COVID happened and that all dried up. Yeah. Um, and then as we were coming out of COVID, we started, you know, 
planning for this and, you know, getting equipment and things like that. So, um, so we're starting to ramp back up on the machining side of things and getting our kids comfortable with our new equipment so that we can start ramping up. And, and to be honest with you, uh, one thing that we've been focusing on as well, and one of the downsides of, you know, only having an hour at a time in some cases is job shop work can be tough. And I know Craig can, uh, attest to this for sure. Like, you know, if you're taking on onesie twosie job shop work, I mean, you may have set up for three days, right? In some cases for one job, which makes it real tough, you know, when the kids kind of get sometimes not the biggest fan of that, but you know, it's part of it, of course. But so we've been kind of intentionally trying to target specific work and starting to get good at saying no. Okay. In a lot of cases, which we were not great at doing for the first few years. So yeah. Um, Typical things a business, any business goes through, right? You know, at a point you have to, you know, make a de- decision as to what you want to focus on and what your niche is and what you really want to do. And we're doing that for the sake of the business, but also for the sake of our students too. Yeah, that's that's good advice. I mean, I uh, we are terrible at saying no. And we just, <laughs> we, me and my other teaching partner, we basically high five and celebrate and cheer when one of us kind of says no. Like yesterday, he <laughs> almost said no, or at least moved the job off three or four months. And, and we we're, I mean, because it just otherwise just ridiculous what we get ourselves into sometimes and in some of these big jobs that we really have no business working on. But, you yeah. know, at the end, we figure it out. And I think that builds our confidence and their confidence and the fact that we can take on jobs that we shouldn't be able to do and pull them off and, and so it's it's good. It's it's fun, and I think that that's a confidence builder for the kids. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. I, what's the impact uh, on the community as a whole? Right. I mean, Craig, you're in a, a sounds like a smaller town. Uh, Chris, you're in Nashville, Indiana. I didn't know that there was a <laughs> Nashville, <existed>. Indiana. So <laughs> yeah. um, th- these are smaller communities. How how is this model impacting the community at at large? Yeah, I mean, you're providing it. That's another benefit of the student business. You become the community repair shop, fix it shop, job shop. And we, you know, so you provide a community service at a cost effective price. So, I mean, we'll go down and we'll weld and fix on the the bank stainless steel night deposit box. We'll go into the last week we did in the grocery stores that to their handle on their cooler and weld it up. We'll go into the locker plants. We'll build a railing for the church. We'll do something for the car wash. We'll do something for the hardware store. We'll do something for the local body shop, the local mechanic shop. I mean, well drilling, black topping, excavating, farming. I mean, it doesn't matter. We just kind of broken stuff, broken shafts come in, reverse engineer, sometimes stuff come in on a nice, uh, you know, uh, blueprint with dimensions and tolerances and everything. Sometimes it's just open-ended. You got to redesign something for someone. So it's just all over the place, but it is a providing a service to the community while the kids learn, while you're funding the program, while you're making money for the kids, they can pay for their further, further education. I mean, it's just, I haven't seen the negative anywhere and it's just all lots of positives. That's awesome. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, similar thing. I mean, we we work with a lot of local businesses in the community. Um, we, you know, we are have made intentional steps to, you know, like I said earlier, start, you know, kind of picking and choosing the things and the jobs that make the most sense for our students to give them the best experience and set us up for success. Um, uh, so, but we work with a lot of local organizations. We have a music center here, um, a, a relatively new music center they built that we work with. We have we are a tourist town, so um, it's uh, we have our state park here that is a okay. big tourist attraction. Um, we have a downtown area that's small and quaint, but a lot of you know small businesses that work down there, yeah. and we have partnerships with a lot of them and, and do a lot of work for them. 
Um, so we, we love doing that. And to be honest with you, we love working outside of the community as well. We love our community. We'll never not work in our community, obviously, right. but I love giving our students the opportunity to work with customers on the other side of the country. I mean, we have customers in Washington state, we have customers in Arizona, we have customers in Florida, um, all over the place that they get an opportunity to, you know, see what that's like to work with a long distance customer that can't just run over, you know, and have a conversation. You have to have good communication skills. And it's also, they find it really cool that they're, you know, making a product that's getting worn halfway across the country. And then we ship to other countries as well. We ship to Canada too. So, wow. Um, so it's pretty cool stuff. So a uh, little side note, is there a Eagle manufacturing print shop store that I can go to? I like, uh, trucker style hats. Do you guys have trucker style hats? Um, and can I, we do go not on currently a have a store, Okay, but we're working on it. Um, but we can definitely hook you up. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think I need a, a new manufacturing culture podcast, uh, lid. So, uh, I'll be in touch with you and, and we'll get something designed and I'll send the logo file and let the students run wild with it. Yeah, and we we just added embroidery uh, when we moved into our new facility. Actually, a little before it, so we're fully we're fully fledged in the uh, graphics department. There's really not a and because the reason we have to start saying no is there's really not a whole lot we can't do, as Craig alluded to. We can really <laughs> kind of do anything, and we're trying to not do everything. <laughs> sure, sure. So, guys, as we look forward into the the future, I mean, this is such a rapidly evolving industry. I mean, uh, just in the last decade, you know, we've seen more push for automation. We're seeing more AI usage. Now it's generative AI. What's the future of manufacturing education uh, in, in, in your guys' eyes? I think, I, I mean, of course, we're, we're a little biased, but I mean, this is the model we like. And I think we got to every, I haven't, you know, we're, there's a lot of successes coming out of this model. And I think we got to promote this model. And we recently had the Coke Foundation, not recently, it was like last year, come in and say, we'll fund you to write a book about it. We call it a book because we feel more important. It's really more of a magazine, like 50 pages. <laughs> um and we have that available now. So we at least documented some of this story. So when people find out about this model and they they say, well, and I usually tell them to go to our website, because on our website, we have a handful of short three to eight minute videos. And I say, watch those videos and invest 20, 30 minutes. And if you like what you're hearing, then why don't you go to some podcast that we've done? And if we you know, could easily put this one up, if you're, if you're allowing us, Absolutely. and we have on our website, full of podcasts that the people can click on and listen to this kind of story and start to understand better about it. And then we say, well, then go to this book we wrote, which takes roughly two hours to read. So go read that. And then if you really like it, we offer these all day workshops where people from around the country can come and spend an entire day with us and they can hear from the students and from us and the administration and look and watch and see it all happen. And then if you like it, go back. And this is what Chris did. I mean, he he came up to a workshop and he you know worked with us and he went back and look at how you know he's doing great and started his own amazing student business and benefiting his community. And if we could have tens of thousands of these across the country, there would be no workforce problem. And we'd develop every kid with employability skills. We'd have work ethic, we'd have technical skills, we'd have confidence, we'd have problem solving, we'd be able to shake hands and communicate. I mean, we could literally impact the workforce but we need literally tens of thousands of these running in the country, not hundreds of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Chris, what about you? What do you think the future is? I mean, again, knowing your bias towards this model. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Everything Craig said, you know, times 10. Um, I, I will say, though, that, you know, uh, it, it's important for the people who are working in the, these student-run businesses, whether that be administrators of schools, uh, whether that be the edu the educators themselves or students involved with them, I think it's important to obviously stay current and um, be aware of how the manufacturing industry is developing. And and the beauty of this, though, it, once again, I know I've said that a bunch of times, but uh, it's that we can take those, you know, I guess new technologies on the horizon and we can start integrating those slowly into the program. Right. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I tell my students all the time, whether that's related to Eagle manufacturing or just, you know, general conversations is if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Right. So, and that, that goes across the board for, for life, in my opinion, at least for life and business and education and all those different types of things. Right. So for us as Eagle manufacturing, our goal is to always be looking for what we can do better, what is on the horizon, what we can integrate and expose our students to and allow them to develop. And, and that gives them even more um, investment into the program because they develop those things. Like I mentioned that uh, like tool database that our student, um, implemented this yeah. summer, he can come back seven years from now and we're still going to be using that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I mean, what better investment do you have than I created this for this program and it has outlasted my time in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And that's just new automation technology that we're integrating to give our student to help us as a business, obviously, and help us as an educational program, but also give our students more exposure to it. So I think the key is obviously the student run business, but also, you know, keeping up on technology and and continuing to grow and integrate. Well, and and I want to go back uh, to you being able to take kids to IMTS um, mm -hmm. and make that part of the assignment. I mean, that's a great way for these young people to stay ahead of technology, for you as the educators to stay ahead of technology. I mean, if I could have gone to IMTS in 98 when I was, you know, right out of high school or 96 when I was a junior in high school, my jaw would have hit the floor. I would have been like <laughs> a kid in a candy shop and who knows what direction my career would have taken, right? Because I, I was part of that, you know, everybody goes to college push in the late nineties. Um, I, I may not have gone to college. Who knows, right? If, if I had been exposed to something like that. So what you guys are doing is, is really neat. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, one thing, if you don't mind, I just wanted to add one thing to that for the uh, IMTS thing. So, and one thing we hadn't really hit on from a student business perspective is, is partnerships are super. And I know Craig is total in total agreement because we've talked about it before, but partnerships are super important. And it's not just us on an island by ourselves. It's us having industry partners that are invested in what we do. Um, and I thought, had that thought because when we were at IMTS, um, Craig mentioned the ERP that we implemented, which we've implemented ProShop ERP in our, yeah. in our organization. Um, but our students not only went to IMTS, not only were given, you know, certain things to look for and come up with ideas for things we can do, but they were in ProShop's booth promoting ProShop to potential <laughs> ProShop customers, right? Like we were there and they were talking to current and potential customers trying to sell them on ProShop. 
Wow. You know, right? So it's those types of partnerships that are mutually beneficial, that are not just one way streets, because a lot of companies are used to schools just asking for stuff and not giving anything in return. Yeah. And the student run business model allows us to have that two way street, have those mutual partnerships where they can invest in us, we can invest in them and everybody benefits from it. That's awesome. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We have amazing IMTS experience stories every single year we go there. It's the same thing. We always have a partnership formed. I mean, one year we built the giveaway go-kart, race go-kart for the video, and the kids were staffing the video booth and serving their hot cookies. And <laughs> this year with Modern Machine Shop. And I mean, we, we, we've been able to work and film with Titan Gilroy a couple of times, come to school. So, of course, we network with him down there and, you know, go in with a Blazer booth. We use Blazer coolant and just on and on and on. And without a student business, you probably can't go to IMTS because it's just too expensive. Uh, I mean, I think it cost me probably close to $2,000 just in clothing the week before we went to buy them all khaki <laughs> pants, brown shoes, on socks. <laughs> yep. We have to look sharp and embroidered clothing and this. And, you know, everybody have their own business card and and be groomed and just go. And, you know, we want to be perfect if we're going to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Craig, are you going to be at uh, the Wisconsin uh, Manufacturing Technology Show? Um, I'm, when is it? I guess I'm not aware of that, which, uh, probably it's out in Milwaukee area early October. So I think it's the second, third and fourth, or at least, uh, third, fourth and fifth. I apologize, but I'll be there the second, third and fourth. It's uh possible. I know we have a workshop at our school on the 11th, so maybe not. We have a couple other things early October. So, and I know October is manufacturing month and we just had a, I'll do some filming and made another video last week at school for that. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's almost, it's almost when you get going down this, the success goes off success and it's crazy all the different opportunities that comes by and it's, it's hard to almost keep up with them all, but it's kind sure. of fun to try. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just thought, and again, I'm horrible at geography and small towns, so I don't know exactly where you are in the footprint of Wisconsin, but uh, if you were going to be there, uh, I'd love to connect in person and, and sit down. Um, so last guys, uh, my last question for you both, uh, and then I'll give you a chance to give some parting thoughts if, if you have any. Um, Craig, you've done this twice. Chris, you followed the the kind of pathway that that Craig had laid out. Um, and, and Craig, you laid out some good steps on on what people can do uh, to develop the interest to, or see if there is interest in in their local communities. What advice would you have for somebody who's thinking about doing this? Right, the, there's a steps that you would go down, but what advice? Uh, what what things should they look out for if they're wanting to go down this pathway? Um, you know, I think we've seen successes and usually what happens is an industry partner, a manufacturer kind of hears about this model, learns about it, and then they can go to their local uh, school and, you know, kind of sell them on the idea and partnering and working together and otherwise, sometimes it's the education or the school that finds out about it and then they go. But I would say create that partnership, get some people that are all excited. And if you're a manufacturer and you go to your first school and they're not that excited about it, just go to the next school. Don't <laughs> waste all your time sure. to convince them because there's another school 10 miles away and go to the six surrounding schools and see who's the most energetic, the most excited about the most and create a team. And once you have the team, make a plan. And I think 
you know, just start. I mean, we started, we didn't have hardly nothing. We had poor equipment, you know, under, under started, our shop wasn't great. Just, but you just start, start small and just do one job at a time and, you know, don't overpromise and under, you know, just try and take care of your business, do good work and just keep growing. And that's where I'm at. You know, it just, this has been 24 years in the making here. It's it, it's not like this happened overnight. This is not a quick fix. Right. This is a good fix. It, it is the fix in my eyes, but uh, maybe I'm biased after talking to you guys for an hour here. Chris, what about you? What What's some advice? You've done this a little bit more recently. What's some advice uh, for people thinking about doing this? Oh, man, do you have another hour? Uh, <laughs> I have as much time as you want, man. We can make this no. into a two-part episode if you want. <laughs> no, I would. I, I agree with Craig. Um, I, I start. I mean, from a logistical standpoint, just starting small, the, you, you don't need much to get started. You don't need, you know, you can see some of these, you know, our, I love our amazing facility that we have here. You don't need this to get started. Mm-hmm. You can start with very little and just a couple students and build it over time. It's going to take time to grow. We started with 18 kids and a whole lot of stuff. And I love it. Wouldn't change a thing about it, but it was a horrible idea <laughs> to start with that much stuff. <laughs> right. So starting small and growing is key. And then I, I think the most important thing um, is, is people. It's people. It's not, I mean, it, it's the people who are involved in the team around it that are going to make it successful. There is no different. Oh, well, I shouldn't say that. There is a difference, but it's just as hard, if not harder, to get this off the ground as it would be starting a actual business from scratch. Sure. Right. It's all a lot of the same pitfalls and then some more on top of that because of some of the restrictions, restrictions of education and, you know, the employees that we're bringing into the business. So it's not easy to do, as Craig has alluded to many times, and it takes a long time. And if you don't have somebody in place who is going to spearhead that, be passionate about it and be able to work through all of that, um, it's not going to be successful. Yeah. Um, so you, it's, it's, you know, start small and get the right people in place. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Craig, what didn't I ask you that you want to share with the listeners today? Hmm, I don't know. I think we've done a nice job of overviewing it. Obviously there's lots of little details, but it's, uh, all about partnerships, networking, relationships. Kids are amazing. Kids will rise. You just have to expect it out of them. And, we, 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 we don't have any problems at our shop. We've decided that we are no longer ever going to have a problem. Everything <laughs> comes up as just an inconvenience. And when you look at it that way, there's days where it's pretty inconvenient, but nobody, <laughs> nobody's yelling. Nobody, we're, we never raise our voice. We're always calm. You know, you can break something and it's just kids look at it, smile a little bit. We smile. It's like, that's impressive. I didn't know we could do it that fast. <laughs> that <wrong. laughs> That is a little inconvenient right now that you just scrapped out the last thousand dollar piece of metal, but, uh, you know, they make more of it and we have some money, so we'll just have to go get it tonight and try again tomorrow. Wow. And that's the, that's how it works. I mean, cause these kids, they appreciate that. I mean, kid goes the other day, he goes, I did the very best I could. I can't ask you for any more than that. Yep. If you were there, you were trying and that's the very best you can do. Then and you made a mistake. Then we just got to try again. Effort, effort speaks volumes. Yeah. What, what about you, Chris? Um, what what haven't I asked you that you want to share? Man, I, I think we've covered you know the overview without spending another couple hours. But I would I would uh, mirror what Craig said. It's it's expectations, it's relationships, and with the students specifically, it's this is a an environment in which they are allowed to fail, 
And the the truth, the sad truth in a lot of parts of education is they're not given that. They're not given an opportunity to fail. Yeah. If they fail, they failed, and they don't get an opportunity to go back and learn from it. They have to move on to the next thing. And we have the flexibility to allow them to scrap a thousand dollar part, not get yelled at, learn what went wrong, and have that knowledge moving forward. Our rule is you can mess anything up once, just not twice. Uh, I like it. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, I, well, I, I got to say to both of you, I mean, this is a manufacturing culture podcast. We talk about culture. Uh, you guys have done an amazing job of creating cultures. It sounds like there at your shops uh, that give students an idea of what the best of this industry is like right and so from me and anybody else out there who shares my sentiment thank you because we need more of that to help fix the the this you know skills gap issue that we have so thank you very much not only for being on today for but for the work that you do you and you're certainly welcome to visit. I mean, almost every time we have visitors, we look at that as a good experience because you get to walk through that door and our kids get to walk over and greet you and shake your hand and give you a tour and explain to you. So even the listeners, I mean, we're an open door. I mean, if people want to come visit, we don't mind stopping. And we have all day workshops that are designed and to dump this information and share, but just one hour visitor, half hour visitors is welcome because it works and it just blows their minds. I mean, we coach them for this. Me, it's awesome when the higher ups of some company come and some sixth grader walks up to that door and opens it up and <laughs> greets them and sticks out their hand and shakes all their hands and says, welcome to Cardinal Manufacturing and offers them a soda or water to drink and, and just goes to that professionalism. So, um, that's yeah, awesome. Are, you are people listening. You're welcome to come see what we do. And, 90% of the time people are coming, they've heard about it and almost all of them comment. It's better in person. I will a hundred percent take you up on that, Craig. Uh, I don't know when it will likely not be when there's snow on the ground, just because I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that stuff. Um, but I will definitely take you up on that. And I it, absolutely encourage anybody listening to, to do the same. And ditto from us. Um, we're we're an open door for anybody who wants to come down and see what we're doing. Um, and then I also want to add too. I, I appreciate uh, you know your your sentiment. I also want to add that to Craig too because he kind of led the charge on this thing, and we wouldn't be where we're at without him um, and the work that he did. So uh, I just want to say I really appreciate all the work you've done over the years, Craig, and uh, very thankful for the groundwork you guys laid. Well, I think you know, I appreciate that. You're doing great because it's fun to watch all these pop up. I mean, like you said, you got 11 just in Indiana being yep. the number one manufacturing state. You know, that's not surprising, but I mean, yeah. they're popping up all over the Midwest and Indiana's popping up and they're coming around the country. So there's a push going in this direction and it'd be just nice to see another 10,000 of them pop up. Absolutely. I, I'd love to see one, if not multiple here in Arizona. Um, I, I've after uh, Chris, you're in my first conversation uh, months ago. I brought it up to a, a school here, and uh, to Craig's point, didn't get the response I wanted out of them. So now I'm planning. Okay, where do I go now with this? Right. So, um, yeah. But I, I, I want to see this happen here. Um, what do you guys think about this at a community college level, or or is this a model that is better at the high school level? I think it's better at the high school because we have the flexibility to run a business like this because at the community college, 
they have to hit certain competencies and you have to, because like in our business, one year we might do more stainless welding than aluminum. We might do more of this because them are the jobs that come in. We might do more manual mill or a kid might run out this more or that more. And sure. we just stay flexible because our kids, we're trying to teach just all around skills and prepare them for the future. Future where at a college level they have to bring them up to speed technically on certain proficiencies and not really run that business. That makes sense. I, I think it's a high school program. It's designed perfectly for high school. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree on the flexibility piece. Our you know every year is a different, ex- which is honestly a lot of the reason why I love it. Right, because every day is different, every minute's different, every year's different, um, and that goes for myself, our other advisors, and all the students as well. So, um, yeah, the flexibility at the high school level is really nice, and um, the, you know, I think the employability skills and you know those expectations are a little more impactful at the high school level as well. So, awesome. Well, guys, I think we need to do a a second episode, maybe in person. I bring my equipment uh, and I'll do one at each of your facilities and maybe we can get some of the students involved as well um, moving forward if you're okay with that. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Do that. Great. All right. You find a school there, wants to come up, just send them up. You got it. Thank you both very much, folks. There you have it. Uh, it's been a journey of a thousand miles or actually countless hours out of these two in innovation and dedication uh, out of two real trailblazers in the manufacturing world, Craig Skilski of Cardinal Manufacturing and Chris Townsend of Eagle Manufacturing. We've been on an absolute roller coaster ride today, peering into the future of education, exploring the cutting edge student run manufacturing model that's not just shaking things up, it's really transforming the way we think about and prepare our students for the industry. We've navigated through the good, the bad, the birth of Cardinal and Eagle Manufacturing uh, and Eagle's multi-million dollar expansion. We've uh, talked about inspiring students, sparking a fire in them uh, that gets them ready for this awesome world that we all exist in. Um, We've been given real exclusive access to the the company culture that these two have created with young people uh, and understanding how it's not just built but crafted and with every student feeling that sense of ownership and responsibility and, and being really part of something that's bigger than themselves. So if today's episode has lit a spark in you, remember the world is your oyster and the tools are at your fingertips. If you're dreaming of starting a similar program in your school or community at, at, at large, Take the advice you've heard today and start building. Reach out to companies, reach out to school districts. And if you don't hear the answer you'd like, move on, go to the next one because somebody will take you up on that. So to continue the adventure with the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, join us at manufacturingculturepodcast.com where you will find an absolute treasure trove of episodes, resources, blogs, and so much more to help you stay on the forefront of the manufacturing wave. If this episode specifically ignited something in you, please share it. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, fellow pioneers in the manufacturing space. 
send it to your boss, send it to your local school district. Let's grow this community one shared episode at a time. And don't forget to drop a rating and review. We're all about getting better based on your reviews. And quite frankly, if you rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, then that puts us up higher when people are searching for podcasts, which means more people will see it, which means we're only going to get better. So thanks for tuning in to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast today. Your journey, just it doesn't end here. Go out there, make a difference like these two have, and keep making things. Thank you.